we thought it was going to be quiet, but for the first, I would say, six to eight weeks, it was completely manically busy. And you'll find out more about that later in the show. Welcome to The Verve, the magazine-style business show for business owners, professionals, and those with an interest in business who want to be challenged and inspired. I'm Sharon Davis, and this show has been brought to you by my company, Dale's PR and Marketing, which creates podcasts for small businesses. This is the pilot edition of the show, and the idea is to provide a mixture of discussion, interviews, and advice while showcasing the brilliant work SMEs and micro-businesses are doing around the country, with a leaning towards the north of England where we're based. Now, I'm really passionate about helping small businesses access all they need to grow and thrive, and I look forward to doing so through this podcast. I also run Dale's Businesswomen, and you'll hear from the members of the network throughout these episodes. The focus of today's podcast is on how businesses are bouncing back from the lull we've had as lockdown eases. We've just heard a short clip from Wendy Robinson, owner of Cafe and Baker's Granny's Kitchen in Richmond, North Yorkshire. And later in the show, she'll give us an insight into her journey over the past four months. First, I'll be talking to today's guests who are here with me now, and they'll be looking back at how they survived lockdown and how they plan to navigate the uncertain road ahead. Well, hello, and thank you for joining me today. Um, It'll be great to kick off with some introductions. So, Jo, could you start us off, please? Yes. Hi, Sharon. Uh, My name's Jo Fletcherly. I'm the commercial director for Tenant Fine Art Auctioneers. Uh, We're based in Leyburn, North Yorkshire, but with the largest firm of family-owned auctioneers in Europe and we have about 85 uh, fast-moving exciting auctions every year uh, from fine art specialist collector sales for stamps books coins and so forth as well as fine art and antiques Uh, my role in the company is to manage the commercial direction of the business um, to uh, find new ways of developing revenue um, to exploit any emerging markets that there are both uh, nationally and internationally. I also am responsible for the commercial strategy for the events business that's associated with tenants, which is called the Garden Rooms, which has been open for the last five years. That now has become a destination for local visitors and is also one of the largest Asian wedding venues. I'm Cathy Scott and I own a business called Ginger Tree Holistic Skin and Lifestyle Clinic. I've owned the business for 16 years and over the years the business has developed away from being sort of a beauty salon into a skin clinic and I focus on the combination of advanced skin science, advanced technologies that are non-invasive with holistic treatments, therapies and um, advice. And that I think is slightly unique. I'm based outside Richmond at a place called Ask Stables on the Gilling Road. And it's um, an an appointment only uh, location where people come for peace and relaxation, but also for effective results driven um, healthy skin treatments. Hi, my name's Tanya Cook. I'm the CEO of A1 Community Works And since April 2018, I've been a director of Richmond Business Network. Richmondshire Business Network is a local business club 
that supports predominantly small businesses by having breakfast and lunch meetings. And we hope to encourage people to start business and to talk to each other because being self-employed can be a very lonely place. So A1 Community Works, if you don't know us, is um, a, a, a social enterprise and we mainly support people who are learning digital skills. And we are grant funded rather than selling or using a product. We've got a real diverse range of businesses here on the podcast and it will be really interesting to, to see how lockdown has affected all of the businesses. Now we're rapidly approaching the end of the first half of the year and there's no doubt that this year will go down as a year like no other. Who would have thought we'll be sat here talking about lockdown, the words furlough, COVID, all words that just weren't part of our dictionary beforehand. So, um, Cathy, I'd like you to take us back to the 23rd of March, the evening when Boris Johnson announced that the country is in lockdown. What was your reaction and what was the immediate impact on your business? My reaction was one of absolute relief because in the two weeks running up to it, it was such a stressful situation. Obviously, I'm in a very personal close-up uh, situation with my clients and whilst I am an appointment only salon um, you're still very very close to people people were confused they didn't know what to think what to say what to do nobody was cancelling because everybody wanted their treatments um, and I looked in the diary and I saw that I had got an incredibly healthy couple of weeks of business ahead of me um, so on that side of things, it was deeply disappointing because I lost thousands of pounds um, overnight. However, the stress of managing um, the, the run-up to lockdown had been very difficult. So it was a relief to be very clear that that was it. We couldn't, we couldn't work. The impact of that was because of also it was very unclear what was going to happen um, I was very realistic that without any form of financial support, my business would be over because my resources were limited as I'd had an accident the previous year, which had virtually made me unable to work for several months. And then for most of 2018, I had worked part time. Do I mean 2019? I'm confused with my years. I've been in lockdown too long. Um, so... I had not got the backup that I had had previously because I'd used all that money up. And so, Joe, tell me how you felt when this announcement was made and what did that mean for tenants? Well, I think, as, as Kathy said, you know, in the run up to the lockdown, we were um, it was a very difficult, very challenging time to be able to interpret what, what, what was sometimes not always um, clear um, guidance. Um, so it was something of a relief when it did become clear what we could and couldn't do um, and removing that sort of ambiguity was was very helpful for us as a business however just to give you some sort of idea of the scale of this business you know we sell 40,000 items a year um, we have you know 85 sales we, we buy and sell in 70 different countries worldwide we employ 120 people this is a big train that's, that's you know really sort of you know moving very quickly um, so to stop that business uh, in its tracks was you know really um, 
uh, just a, a huge concern um, that, that we, we didn't know, you know, nobody could, could sort of envisage what was going to be coming next um, and how long we were, or at that point, you know, there was no idea of the, the furlough scheme or the support for, for staff. So there was a huge exercise for us to tell people. So, you know, I think Boris Johnson made his announcement at seven o'clock or, or it was early evening-ish as I, I recall. Um, so we had to communicate very quickly to everyone just to tell them not to come to work. So, you, you know, the, the managing the practicalities of it, I think, um, sort of took over from thinking about, you know, you didn't have to think about anything, you just had to do certain things. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a very unique experience, I hope. <laughs> yeah, we all hope so, hey. Yeah, and for you, um, Tanya, you work with a range of businesses through both of the uh, businesses that you have. What's the general feel? How are people feeling um, around that time? Was there a lot of panic within the members within your network? We were slightly lucky in that we, as A1 Community Works, we have two European projects. So our partners in Italy sort of warned us you know, that there would be a lockdown coming, or they thought there would be, and they were surprised we weren't in it already. So we were a little bit forewarned. And in terms of the business network, our immediate concern wasn't financial. It was how are we going to keep in touch with our members? Do we actually have the right information and means of staying in touch with them? And is it what they will want? We did have, unlike tenants, we had the luxury of time because we'd already had our March breakfast and we weren't due to meet again till April. How have you found communicating with members? Has it been easier than you thought? Has that been a, been a challenge for you? I think it's been a challenge because um, normally we, newsletters have gone out as normal. It's trying to persuade people to come to Zoom meetings when they have lots of other demands on their time. Um, yeah. we, we put, I've put a lot of effort into the Facebook page both for A1 and for the network and I think growing social media so that we're making sure we get the message out on as many channels as possible is going to be very important going forward because at the end of this I don't think we'll go back wholly to the way things were before. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, similar. We, you know, I run Dale's Businesswoman, as you all know, as well. And for us, we're already thinking about what 2021 could look like, but anticipating that, yeah, there could be a level of change that is that is here to stay. So I can completely understand that. Um, thank you. And Joe, um, you know, we've heard many stories about businesses pivoting. In fact, that's been quite a nice silver lining, if you like, in, in all that's gone on to hear how some people have been able to repackage their business and move forward. And you uh, fairly recently have managed to get the online sales um, the auction side going again. What has this been like? And would you say that this has prompted you to look at how you use technology as well? Definitely. I mean, we, were, we are already very... Um, adept at using online technology for auctions but there are other opportunities that this situation has presented which we have kind of thought about but it's really given us the impetus to um to, to actually accelerate those changes um not only to uh, give our customers a better experience but also to create efficiency so where we used to send out um checks for example when 
when we were paying out you know people who'd actually sold with us um we're obviously now doing that online we're about to start doing that online uh, all of our colleagues get their pay slips electronically now which they didn't do but you know so some of these things appear to be quite routine but actually it's just a good opportunity for us to you know seize the opportunity and um and you know zoom calls who hasn't been on zoom call now you know it would have taken years to educate our demographic of clients which is traditionally you know people 50 plus to use technology and now you know that work's all been done for us as well so you know we can use those for virtual valuations for people that don't want to leave their homes there's no substitute for actually being here in person having having said that um so we're always you know wanting people to come come and see us um to have their items valued but in the meantime you know zoom's a great substitute so yeah the technology and i think it's it's great to have the um as i say the impetus to do that and, and to, to have those challenges so it's been in a weird way quite inspiring yeah no i can understand that i think my highest record of zoom calls in one week was eight and i think after that i had to spend a week off of it completely so <laughs> if we go from one extreme to the other where i had like a zoom call like once a month to eight a week yeah. wow zoomed out yeah <laughs> definitely yeah yeah and for you kathy you know i'm guessing that you know well obviously you can't translate your your sort of in-person services to the internet so easily but i'm sure there are other things you do like you sell products too so what has survival looks like for you over the past three months so really it's product sales it's providing information it's giving advice so yes i've used zoom i've used facetime um being a micro business i just don't have the technology resources or i have to say the internet capacity i can't even really do a face a facebook live video without me sounding like i'm down a drain um, because I, I live 50 minutes away from the salon in a very rural place and we don't even have mobile phone signal here. So that for me is the biggest thing that's holding me back from doing more for my business now. So I think I will have to start just going into the salon on my own just to use the technology there. Um, but that does, I think it brings up a really interesting question because there's no doubt that the environment has benefited, people's health has benefited from not having to do a lot of commuting. And when there are things within your business that you can do from home, then we should be able to do it. So when Rishi isn't quite so busy as he is at the minute, I will be pressing him for doing something about the, the rural internet because it is really quite crippling. I have seen something about the people like you being prioritised for 5G in the area, but I'm guessing that hasn't trickled to you specifically. No, uh, we did see um, a post about that. Um, you know, we won't hold our breath because we were promised other stuff as well before that. But you never know, this situation may have sort of galvanised as people have realised that it really is going to be the lifeblood yeah. of how we can keep on going. Yeah. Um, and yes, there isn't a substitute for hands-on treatments, but there is an awful lot I can do for people Mm. Um, without the use of, of my hands in the meantime. Yeah. Um, it is difficult to make uh, money um, in, in that um, because people are haven't quite got their heads around that they would pay for that. 
Um, Because it's a bit like being on the phone, isn't it? Why why would I need to pay for... (laughs) Actually, it's my time and expertise. So I think that's probably going to be a bit of re-education. I've definitely benefited from your Zoom, your evening Zoom calls. I've, I've almost felt like I could just fall asleep straight away after your head massage sessions um yeah and, and believe it or not that even doing it myself just with your guidance it was really effective and that's something I plan to keep up even when the salon's open um because I just think it's a good way to connect with people as well yeah sure no I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that um and Tanya for you what does pivoting look like or survival have you have you found a way or has it just closed business completely No, we haven't closed business completely. We're very lucky in that our funders are still um, providing money for us. So we're delivering services remotely uh, because I think, just as Joe said, we've pulled a whole load of people who really weren't thinking about technology into technology. And they now can do one or two things, but they're realizing with support, they can do so much more. And I think it's Across the board, it's not just individuals. Uh, Businesses are looking very hard at how they use technology to help control those costs and to give them access to audiences. And that's something we can help with. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And for your members, what would you say that um, 2020 is looking like? What's the general mood? Because obviously there are loads of businesses that have reopened. But I imagine there'll be others like um, Kathy, who is also based in Richmond, for whom, you know, it, it's going to be a while yet. I think we still don't know because we, we, we don't have a plan from government that takes us in an orderly way towards an exit position. Um, so it very much depends on what the virus does and when we can move back into some public space some of the time. I don't think any of us will move back totally. Um, but I think that for things like networks, I envisage that the network might well move to something like Teams, where instead of doing just a Facebook or something, we have a more interactive forum where information and resources can be put and where members can talk directly to members within a space they trust. I support what Kathy says. One of the problems is for our members is that in some places, connectivity is still an issue. And, you know, if you can't get a signal, be, no matter how good your digital skills are, you are in a difficult position. Yeah. And that's something that we also lobby for with um, DBW because, yeah, I mean, before this happened without the Internet, you, you could barely do anything, let alone now and what that might mean for the future. So I think that raises the, the issue of connectivity in rural areas even higher on the agenda um, but let's see. Let's see what happens as time goes on. Um, and Kathy, you work in such close proximity with people. So for 2020, what do you envisage the rest of the year looking like for you? I mean, it sounds great with all that you've done with Zoom meetings and the consultations and product sales. But, you know, given that you you are touching people's faces and, you know, their ears, their, you know, their, their noses, that sort of thing. What, yeah. What does 2020 look like? Um, I think one of the problems that I'm a member of BABTAC, which is the um, British Association of Beauty and Cosmetology, and they are already well plugged in with government because they've been working very hard on our educational framework. So they have been in contact with all their members constantly about um, trying to get guidance and guidelines and offering the government their expert opinion 
and of course pointing out to government that when you use the word beauty you are covering everything from somebody having a file and polish on their nails to something like me doing more advanced facials and you cannot lump all those together so I think the next announcement might talk more about the, the slightly less close-up um, treatments where people can have a screen in front and you put your hands through the little letterbox and you can get your nails done. I can't see how they can say it's safe for us to work in what I do right now. What I think they should be saying is you shouldn't be going back till September as long as everything is okay with all the statistics and R's and all that jazz. Um, that being the case, um, I will definitely have to ask my landlord for a rental holiday because I will have then run out of money. I was very, very fortunate that I did qualify for the small business grant um, and that's been my lifeline and I have paid for everything. I've not had a holiday uh, on any payments at all. Um, so I am hoping that come August, if I'm still not able to work, um, then that would be my first port of call, is to try and get some sort of rent relief because then I could keep going to the end of the year. Um, and then come January, hopefully, you'd be back in full swing. Um, whether you lose clients, you know, I, I doubt it, to be honest. Um, because if when there's a bit of a black market going on, which people may not be aware of, of people doing treatments when they shouldn't be. Um, and if people choose to go to those, then they do so obviously at their own risk. Um, you know, I just think that's a terrible thing to do. But, you know, if people are desperate and money is very, very tight, then people could be, you know, driven to taking um, unsafe measures. And I am not in that category. If it meant I had to lose my premises temporarily, then I would do that for the sake of safety and then reopen at a time when it was appropriate. Yeah, and you've built up quite a loyal following, so you would hope that once things do return to whatever normal is going to look like, that you I, can pick I up. think there's also the benefit of that my age profile of clients is older. So, I mean, I'm 60, so I have to think about my own health as well, because that puts me in the higher risk category despite not having any health issues and not taking any medication so if they're thinking that way as well then we're probably all quite happy to wait because we'd rather wait and be alive and healthy or even get this this uh, virus at, at, at even a, a low symptom level it was something you know you'd prefer not to have at all so i think this year is still very very uncertain um i'm in the fortunate position that i have a husband who is full-time employed at home because he is classed as a key worker um, and he's been told he'll be working from home for the foreseeable future. So from a financial point of view, I can still live. Um, I know other people are not in that situation. I guess in many ways it is a bit like starting from scratch. Whatever we will pick up from where we left off, there's going to be an element for everyone, I guess, where it is all a bit new. Um, and I guess, Joe, for you, you know, you've already explained that there are so many different facets to um, to tenants, as well as maybe some complementary services that support, you know, your your sort of main core services. What do you think 
business as usual will look like for you as the year progresses? Oh gosh, what a big question, if only I knew. Um, well, I think from the auctions business, we are returning to business as usual, um, because as I say, the sale programme is such that we have to get those sales back into into synchronization otherwise next year you know if you have three or four specialist sales in a year they can't get too close together otherwise they're not viable so you, you know you have to kind of draw a line in the sand and, and start again which is what we've now done so you know our sale program returns to its its normal uh, calendar um in july um so we um, we're pursuing that actively as our as our strategy um we recognize that people might be less willing or able to come and, and you know visit us and bid in the room with us which is why we provide all of the different ways of being able to bid and we use third-party online bidding uh, digital platforms as well um so from the auctions business it's actually even though it's a more complex business it's much more straightforward um the hospitality side of the business we're all on the edge of our seats as kathy is waiting for this announcement you know hopefully at lunchtime today that's going to you know give us a, a clearer way forward for, for hospitality but again we anticipate that in order to make that industry viable at all then there's got to be some easing of restrictions and we're planning for that so everything for us is is about uh, planning so even though you know we, we won't be returning to the certainties of the garden rooms in short term i.e we won't be having a concert for five or six hundred people in the near future you know wherever we can pursue safely a, a, a way of doing business we've got big outside space here which you know we'll turn as you say pivot to uh, take advantage of that you know we'll do outdoor events we'll do driving events so you know it's all about thinking about where the opportunities are rather than perhaps you know being distracted about what's gone you know we just have to move on and focus and i think for a business of this size it is about taking our colleagues with us um you know inspiring them motivating them there as you know kathy said people have got financial concerns or health concerns you know everything about the internal and external communication with the business is you know have a plan and do it like you mean it um so so that's that's where we're heading and do you still have a, a an autumn wedding program or is that on hold as well uh, we're being led by the, the, the brides themselves. You know, if, if people are you know calling in to say they they would rather you know defer, then obviously we're making arrangements for that to happen. So again, we're, we're it's trying to read the room. I think that that's the, the you know the, the main thing really. We're now going to hear from a business that had unexpected results during lockdown. This business, based in Richmond, North Yorkshire, was forced to adapt very quickly and respond to public demand. Here's Wendy with her story. My name is Wendy Robinson. Our business is Granny's Kitchen and we normally have a cafe and also a bakery um, where we, we bake all our own cakes and pies and bread um, and we normally serve them in a cafe. From the first announcement of lockdown, obviously we had to close the cafe immediately um, so we had to put our staff on furlough so there's just been myself and my husband Mick um, and we, we thought it was going to be quiet but for the first I would say six to eight weeks it was completely manically busy um, because we offered deliveries of all our goods um, 
and that that really really kept our business going and um, and and also things like being adaptable um, you know we don't normally sell things like flour and yeast and things like that but we changed our business because people kept coming in and asking for it it's those things that kept us busy once um, more and more businesses um, in the town started to open up then things um, calmed down a little bit but we've stayed consistently busy the whole time. The main change overall for, for us as a business is, is not having our cafe open. Um, we are a, a, in a very um, old traditional building um, that doesn't bear um, changes very easily, as in the two metre distance and things like that. So for us, that's, that's a huge change. Majority of our business um, well, all of our business will be takeaway and shop sales, and also we do a market stall outside. Um, so it's it's a huge difference for us. But adaptability, without a doubt, is the key to our success over this period. Um, it's just being there for people's needs, changing where possible, and um, to be able to take on board those needs and lots and lots of hours and hard work of course but that, that's not a change, we always put in a lot of hours so. but the adaptability is key. Well in closing I'd like to end on a positive note so I'd like to ask you all I guess you could call it your silver lining of lockdown so you know share with us a moment or a story or something of inspiration that you have gained from the last three months or it might be a fellow business that you've seen pivot in a different way that has made you think wow you know there is hope if you could all just share your yeah your, your inspiring story of lockdown Kathy why don't we start with you okie doke well mine is perspective having had a serious accident and been uh, fortunate to uh, be alive and able to walk that was a sort of a, a bit of a perspective giver um, and this has been a further experience in perspective because a few months before lockdown, I can remember saying to somebody, if I'm not at work, I'm asleep. And for five years, that's what my life has been like. I'm at work or I'm asleep and nothing else. And I have learned that my house is now my home. This house, which we've lived in it for three years, um, really hasn't been a home because I've just not been in it. So my perspective is that uh, I need to ensure that I keep uh, my work life more in balance and that I can carry on living in a home and not just a house. I'm with you on that one, definitely. And for you, Jo? Well, I think the, the, uh, I'm sort of echoing what's really already been said in that it is about looking around and, and seeing the, um, the willingness for people uh, from all, all backgrounds, ages, occupations, um, just adapting. And it is, you know, it, it's kind of um, heartening to, to, to see the sort of human endeavour that, you know, can people turn their, um, their skills and their time and, and their abilities so readily to uh, helping in, in a time like this. And I think that's been inspiring. We here have been very fortunate that our colleagues have been, you know, incredibly flexible. As I say, it's a family business. So people have felt very willing to 
you know, be multitasking to do jobs that they haven't done before or would never have, you know, have the, the, the skill or, or uh, time to, to, to learn um, and how quickly people have adapted to, to those changing circumstances. So that's been quite inspiring, I think, for, for, for me. Um, and, you know, I was telling a friend that, uh, you know, one of the inspiring things is when you hear about like the House of Lords, for example, where they all went over to Zoom in about a month and it would have taken two years to get that those sort of people you know into that sort of technology and it, it, it just helps you to really focus on what your priorities are you know and and how you know just echoing what tanya was saying you know adapting to making change happen you know i, I hope that we can all continue with that spirit of positive change even when you know uh, the circumstances are slightly different and it is funny isn't it what what's inside us when we're squeezed you know what comes out and I've been really impressed by the resilience as well so um, over on uh, DBW the networking business that I have we, re we, we relaunched the um, networking um, the events and also the memberships uh, at the beginning of last week and part of me was thinking oh gosh you know it could go one way or the other people are either a bit fatigued by it all and don't want to know or they might show a bit of interest. But actually the response has been fairly consistent. And for the first week, you know, we, we secured quite a few new memberships. One of the high moments was teaching a lady in her seventies how to log into a Zoom meeting over the phone um, and being part of the meeting myself. So I could see she got there and then I was happy to leave her, you know, talking to friends because for some people, lockdown has been socially isolating. But in terms of business, I think it's remembering the message of who moved the cheese, that change always happens and you've got to keep on your feet and think about it. And we all get a bit complacent and start to take things for granted. And this has been, I think, both um, a knock but also an opportunity to look at business and think, what were we doing and how can we do this better? And we are making some positive changes but part of me can't wait to get back to meeting people face to face. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Well, thank you all so much for your time. Thank you for joining me on uh, this podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the pilot edition. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to the first episode of The Verve. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. You'll find links to all those featured in today's podcast in the show notes. To see us out, we're going to hear from a Dale's businesswoman who's going to share a top business tip with us. Hello, my name's Jackie Warburton and I'm an independent celebrant and my company is I Do Your Ceremony. Now my top business tip would be to act with professional generosity, to boost others and their businesses in person and on social media. Do almost as much promotion of others as you do of yourself. Within the network, don't sell to the room, but rather explain what you're about in the hope that in a random conversation elsewhere, one of your colleagues may remember your business and mention you to a potential lead or for a collaboration opportunity with another business. That's the magic of networking.